Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You're so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. Usually when I start off a sermon, there's really like an incredibly smart illustration, like uh, usually I pull out a joke or something that is, you know, it just, it really just, maybe it's an inspirational story about a coach or something and how God, you know, allows their team to win or, or maybe it's a story of my childhood. Usually I do this incredible, wonderful, like illustration that gets us wrapped right into our sermon, right? Sure, she says, sure, yeah. Well, today I'm just going to start with some scripture because I think the best way for us to illustrate the importance of scripture this morning is by reading some of it. So this is a story that that most of you have probably heard. It's a story that emphasizes the power of Christ in the face of temptation. So I want you guys to read the story with me today. If you've got a Bible, you can pull that out. Make sure that you're underlining, making notes. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can open or you can watch it on the screen here. It's Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So let us together hear the word of God today. Scripture starts off by saying, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him, into a very, sorry, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what did you notice in this scripture? I want to hear what, what, what you heard this morning in scripture. What did you hear? Jesus was tempted. It's pretty big. That's the, the whole point of this section of scripture. What else did you hear? Ben, what did you hear? The Bible, or sorry, no, not the Bible. The devil was quoting scripture against Jesus, the son of God, right? That's an interesting observation. What other things did you hear this morning in that scripture? It takes strength. It does. It takes strength when you're facing temptation to overcome, right? So the devil shows up to tempt Jesus, and Jesus himself responds by quoting scripture. Every single instance, Jesus responds by quoting scripture. So let me ask you, when there's temptation going on in your life, how many of you like immediately start quoting scripture? Anybody? Oh, oh, none of us. No? It is a good point, but let me be very clear. I know pastors, including myself, who don't do that, right? 
The scriptures have always been the basis of Christian faith. Even before there was a Bible, the Hebrew people and the ancestors of our faith, they had sacred scriptures that they passed down from generation to generation. They called these scriptures their Torah, and they called them the Tanakh. They were the sacred writings of Moses and the prophets. They were Israel's history, and they were sacred texts that recorded God's interaction with his people. So always, from 3,000 years ago, and even longer, there were people who were maintaining this this, uh, scriptural line of integrity from the very beginning of time. And those scriptures have been passed down to us. These scriptures included things like the creation of the world and the hope for an eternal future that was guaranteed in Christ's coming. These ancient scriptures followed God's people and recorded the ways in which God showed up to love his people in, even when they were doing evil, when they were wrong, even when they were making mistakes. Even in the times they had forgotten about God, they wrote those things down. And these sacred writings were being passed down and emphasized even from the earliest days of the Christian movement, along with other contemporary writings of the church fathers, such as the Gospels and the letters. Even the apostles of Jesus encouraged every early Christian believer to continue to read the scriptures of Israel because they believed that these scriptures were still important and true. And the understanding of God's love for his people comes through these ancient texts. Even the Apostle Paul writes in his second letter to Timothy in verse, or chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Apostle Paul encourages these new Christians in the communities that he founded to continue to read the scriptures because scripture makes the followers of Jesus wise for salvation. And while even the first generation of Christians in the first century had access to the ancient Hebrew scriptures, these church fathers began writing and circulating the authoritative gospels and the letters that would eventually become what we know as our New Testament. So we talked last week in my introduction to this sermon series that the Bible we have now has come to us through what we call the Council of what? Nicaea, Nicaea, right? Does anybody know what year the Council of Nicaea took place? What? Boom, catch that. Good. Grab. So, Ben, this one is for you, for Council of Nicaea. Levi, you said it too. So, Council of Nicaea took place in 325. And at this Council of the Nicaean Creed was created, which we read last week together. And along with the Bible that we have today, all 66 books were canonized or made holy at this council in the year 325. So, the Bible that we have today is the same Bible that we had in the year 325. These scriptures and the Holy Bible as we know it have been the foundation of the Christian church since its beginning. 
Before our Christian Bible was gathered together at the council, the same scriptures would have been gathered and read to the congregants of the Christian church during worship services, during baptisms, and during confirmation rituals. And also, the scriptures that people would have known would have been either read from uh, a scroll or from the letters that had been given in Christian homes to family members. We have a tremendous history of the Christian scriptures that we can celebrate together, knowing that our scriptures are both ancient and true. So I have to ask you a question. How many of you have heard of the Wesleyan quadrilateral? Anybody? Yes, 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 yes. If you're a student in this place, you heard that in confirmation. You may have forgotten, it's okay. Um, But do you know what a quadrilateral is, anybody? It's a four-sided figure. It's a four-sided figure. Any other specific things about that four-sided figure? It could be a rectangle. It could be a square. Uh Uh-huh. There's a few more you're missing. Parallelogram, maybe a trapezoid. What? Diamond. A diamond, yes. Uh, The shape is actually a kite, yes. Uh, Or it can be, you ready, a dart. I didn't know that a dart, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. And a scalene quadrilateral is another type of quadrilateral. Well, regardless, I've got a video, or not a video, but a graphic I'd like to show you. So this is the Wesleyan quadrilateral. In the United Methodist Church, we understand that John Wesley, the founder of Methodism and the Methodist movement in the early 1700s, he based his doctrinal and theological understanding of God on what we now identify as the Wesleyan quadrilateral, okay? Through this understanding, we as Methodists can come to find the truth of God in light of these four major principles. Tradition, experience, reason, and scripture, those four things are foundational for us to come to understand God. However, based on what I know about John Wesley, after my years and years of study and my years and years and years and years and years and years and years in seminary, I don't know that a quadrilateral is the appropriate diagram for the four bases of our understanding about God. John Wesley was a man that believed the supremacy of Scripture over and above all other means to understanding God. In John Wesley's explanatory notes upon the New Testament, he writes this, and here's a quote from John Wesley. The Scripture, therefore, of the Old and New Testaments is a most solid and precious system of divine truth. What kind of truth? Divine truth. Every part thereof is worthy of God and all together are one entire body wherein is no defect, no excess. It is the fountain of heavenly wisdom which they who are able to taste prefer to all writings of men, however wise or learned or holy. The Bible was supremely important for John Wesley. John Wesley, again, to emphasize how important he felt that Scripture was to all Methodist Christians, in his preface to the first volume of his collected sermons, he writes this. Here's another quote from John Wesley. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me that book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be homo unius libri, which means a man of one book. 
John, Was John Wesley actually quotes St. Thomas Aquinas when he says that in proclaiming that there can be no misunderstanding as to how important he thinks that Scripture is in faith. Let me be a man of one book. What if all of us were people of that one book, right? And the problem is we say that we are. As Christians, we say that we believe in the Bible, but often when we read Scripture and we try to understand Scripture, we just make notes and then we do other things with our lives, right? We recognize how important scripture is for our faith. We like to say that we know scripture. We like to talk about the Bible, but oftentimes we don't live out what we know from those scriptures. So while scholars might call John Wesley's means of understanding God a quadrilateral, I think it might be more important to look at it maybe like, a, maybe like the Wesleyan triangle or the Wesleyan pyramid or something like that, where either the scripture is the foundation of all other means to knowing God, or maybe it's the pinnacle. I don't know. But I think that scripture was the basis for John Wesley's understanding of faith, and it should be ours too. Our book of discipline contains what we call the Articles of Religion of the Methodist Church. And one of these articles, Article 5, talks specifically about the supremacy of the Bible, and it says this. This is also on the screen. The Holy Scripture containeth, which I love the word containeth, all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. In the name of the Holy Scripture, we do understand those canonical books of the Old and New Testament of whose authority was never any doubt in the church. The Scripture of itself is truth, and it is all that we need for salvation. Everything we need to find Jesus is in our Scriptures. It's the deepest laid foundation of our faith. It contains everything we need to know who God is. Any theory or explanation of God, if it cannot be found in or be proven by the Bible, it is unfounded and incorrect. Scripture is the primary and most sufficient means through which we can know God, hear of his love, understand the history of his people, and begin to see his plan of salvation for all of us through Jesus. Based on this understanding of scripture, I would maybe change the quadrilateral to become a pyramid, right? Either way, are you starting to see and understand the importance of scripture to us as United Methodists? Do you see that? These are quotes from our book of discipline. These are quotes from our Bible. These are quotes from John Wesley and his sermons. These are quotes from things that we hold to be pretty important. The United Methodist understanding of the supremacy of Scripture is so important that there are places all over our church's website at umc.org where we can read about how important the United Methodist believes Scriptures are. So here's one of the most important snippets of understanding. This is from the, the umc.org, um, and you can find it if you need any of these resources. Let me know. I'd love to show you. But this is what it says. Three important things. We hold that the writers of the Bible were inspired by God, that they were filled with God's spirit as they wrote the truth to the best of their knowledge. Number two, we hold that God was at work in the process of canonization during which only the most faithful and useful books were adopted as scripture. We're talking about the Council of Nicaea, that God's spirit moved in that, and that the right books were chosen in the year 325. So the writers were influenced by the spirit of God. Those who gathered them and chose them were influenced by the spirit of God. And then we also hold that the Holy Spirit works today 
in our thoughtful study of the scriptures, especially as we study them together, seeking to relate the old words to life's present realities. The Spirit still moves when we read our Bibles. And that's why we call the Bible God's book, right? Because the very Spirit of God was working through those who wrote it, through those who carefully considered which books to include, and now through us when we read it and try to interpret it for our own lives. And we receive Scripture through the Holy Spirit. And this, according to the United Methodist uh, website, says, may happen in any number of settings. We can encounter God's Holy Scripture through prayer, we can encounter scripture in a deep way in worship, through spirit-guided preaching, in the liturgy of Holy Communion, in song, and in many other ways. We need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to keep us faithful in our reading, and to implant the teaching of scripture in our hearts. Have you guys ever just opened a Bible and said, I'm going to read here? You done that? I think we've all done that. Let me be very clear, there's nothing magical about doing that. But I believe that anytime we open our Bibles, that the Spirit can work through us and speak through the Bible to, to really just change us. And so every time we open our Bible, we should be praying for wisdom, for discernment, for the Spirit to move and guide us in our reading, to help us understand these are ancient words that were written in different languages that still apply today. God, how does that apply to my life? Help me find a way to fit your scripture into everything that I do. As a denomination that is based on John Wesley's understanding of the importance of scripture, we must continue today to hold scripture as the source of all of our understanding of God. So last week I spoke a bit about some of the accusations against pastors and churches in the United Methodist denomination. If you were here last week, you heard me speak about how some have accused us as pastors, as congregations and churches of leaving Orthodox Christianity behind. Because many United Methodists disagree about some of our culture's most pressing social issues of the day, there have been widely baseless claims because of these disagreements that Methodist pastors no longer believe in the Bible or what the Bible tells us about God through Jesus, his son. As a matter of fact, I have to tell you that this week I got a phone call from a person I've never met in my life who started to rant to me about his understanding of the issues facing, facing the United Methodist Church. On this call, I was told that people who aren't, well, first of all, I was asked if we were leaving the United Methodist Church. And then when I said, I, we have no plans on leaving the United Methodist Church, uh, his response was, well, why not? And so guys, I need to be very, very honest with you. I found Jesus in the United Methodist Church. My call came through the United Methodist Church. I knew that when God asked me to be a pastor, God was asking me to be a pastor in this denomination. It was clear to me. And so I don't know this guy. I'm not going to tell him all those things. But I did say, I have a home here. And I believe that many other people have a home here in our denomination. And there's no reason that I find for us to leave. On this call then, I was told that people who aren't leaving the Methodist church no longer believe in the Bible and that those who are staying have a low value for scriptural authority. And I was like, 
How dare you? So this accusation that I knew was being made against United Methodists that I talked about briefly, how I, we've seen it on Facebook, right? I've seen those accusations on Facebook from United Methodist clergy and in United Methodist groups all over Facebook for the first time was vocalized to me by a guy I have never even seen. So I have to ask you, based on what you've heard today so far, based on the sermons that you've heard in this place, do you think we no longer value scripture? Every week you see me read from the Bible. I invite you to pull it out and read along with me. Make notes, highlight, copy, underline, whatever. The, the Bible is the basis of everything we do. So of course it's not true. Of course we believe that the Bible is valuable and it's authoritative for our lives. When I sit down to write a sermon, I'm not pulling out like newspapers. Although to be valid, like I think we should do that as well. But the first thing I go to is my Bible. I focus on the stories of our faith. I read and reread the Bible in order to better understand it for myself so that I can help interpret it for this place, for us, so that we all can come to know Jesus better. I pray for wisdom and discernment so that God will guide me in all ways so that I can help guide you. And guys, let me be clear. I don't always get it right. But I believe that the more of the Bible that we read, the deeper we study God's word, the better we will all be at understanding the requirements of being faithful followers of Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it based on things we hear about Christ. We have to read about him to know him. And the more we study God's word, the better we will be at discerning the difference between faith leaders who authentically preach God's word versus those who do not. If we know God's word, we can never be misled, we can never be confused, and we can never be led astray. The Bible itself speaks to this again in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, and you can follow along here. 4 verses 12 through 14, and here's what the author says for us today. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We have a great high priest who has gone to live with God in heaven. He is Jesus, the son of God. So let us continue to express our faith in him. When we know God's word, we're going to recognize God's word when it's spoken. We'll respond to it. We'll live by it. If each of us know God's word, we'll recognize when we hear it from the pulpit or if we don't. So I invite you, don't take all of my words as the word of God. That's not the case. God's word is what my sermons should be judged by, what all pastors should be judged by. And you don't know it unless you know it. So read your Bibles. In the United Methodist Theological Guidelines entry on www.umc.org, guys, listen, if you've ever wanted to know about the Methodist Church, go to umc.org because the questions are answered there, okay? The response here that's uh, put about our theological guidelines is based on the 2016 Book of Discipline. Hear this. 
It says, through a faithful reading of scripture, we may come to know the truth of the biblical message and its bearing on our own lives and the life of the world. Thus, the Bible serves both as a source of our faith and as the basic criterion by which the truth and fidelity of any interpretation of faith is measured. We have to know scripture. The Bible is authoritative for us. It's how we know who God is. So church, today and always, may our foundation be laid in the truth of the scriptures. May we each be willing to open our Bibles this week as we seek to know who God is and what God wants for us and our world. May we all be better at reading, hearing, and responding to God's word so that we may participate in bringing about God's kingdom here and now. May each of us continue to live with a focus on the word of God that challenges us and changes us into the people we're called to be. And may we each continue to seek God's truth through his word every day that we live. God, may it be so in me. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.